Mother Nature rained all over NASCAR's parade. The FDA still won't label mRNA vaccines as dangerous. Guns are being sold at a record pace. Fake reviews and more on today's Random Thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode number 239 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B-Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and on today's show, I have thoughts on a few different things, including the NASCAR first ever street course race that was held in Chicago this past weekend. And I have to say, Mother Nature, not a fan of NASCAR. More rain fell in Chicago in the two days that NASCAR was here than the previous month combined. And it caused all sorts of problems. It was the first time in forever that I can remember that a couple of the expressways here in Chicago were closed because of flooding. And this was all going on. If you saw any of the pictures, I will give them credit for getting the streets cleaned up enough to actually do some racing. But while a lot of the NASCAR faithful will tell you, well, this was a great weekend, that it was a pure success, not 100%. There was some good racing, but it was not 100% successful. I mean, of course, there were a few businesses in the area downtown that were not happy about the streets being closed. But then again, they're never going to be happy about the streets being closed. I think my favorite one, the favorite complaint out of all of these was the couple that owned a bookstore that had been around forever. And they were in an older building where the glass in the front of the building was allegedly a hundred and something years old. It was like the original glass from the building. And they were worried that these big beefy cars come rolling through, even though I know they said they were going to have them running with mufflers. And it's hard to tell, to be fair, uh, the television coverage was not out there, was not crazy enough to try to go out to that. But even with the mufflers, these cars are making a lot of noise. And I just thought that would have been like the ultimate NASCAR commercial to catch a bunch of these race cars going down Michigan Avenue in Chicago. And as they pass all of these storefronts, just have the windows blowing out because of the pure power and sound that these cars put off. But the racing overall, wasn't bad when they were racing, but I think they made a few major mistakes. And with the weather, maybe this wouldn't have made much of a difference anyway, but they came in starting the race after four o'clock Chicago time, which is a little late when you don't have lights on the course. It's a street course. You don't have the kind of lighting that you would need. So they were basically racing darkness. And once they had the problems with the rain, 
for their what they call the Xfinity series now, which is basically their AAA series. It's not their major league, but it's the series that usually runs the day before with drivers who are trying to get into the main series. And there's some very entertaining racing that happens there. But like Major League Baseball, NASCAR has rules about what happens when weather comes around, what is considered an official race, just like Major League Baseball has. Well, you have to go at least five innings for it to be considered an official game. NASCAR's rules are that you have to make it to 50% distance for the race to be considered official, and they just threw that out the window here in Chicago. They came up two laps short, which, I mean, it may not seem like a lot, but, I mean, rules are rules for a reason. And they just said, well, you know what? We're just going to declare the person that's in the lead the winner, and we're going to move on to Sunday, which, I mean, Sunday was then full of rain. Not much that they could do about it. And they could have probably stayed until Monday to finish the other race, but they decided after they couldn't then. They suspended it on Saturday and then Sunday morning they were supposed to try to get it in, but then no, the rain was coming down. And I guess it's mainly the lightning issue too because the only reason that race was stopped on Saturday was not because of rain, it was stopped because of lightning. So if you were watching and you were confused going, well, these cars have rain tires. Why are they stopping them? Well, it was because there was a lightning strike within eight miles, and I get it. You don't want people getting hit by lightning, but if they could have just made it a couple of more laps, maybe there would have been a lot less to complain about than the main race that was on Sunday. Once they realized they weren't going to make the full distance, they just randomly, and again, this is where you probably needed some... Uh, ruling you needed some kind of specifications going in you needed a flow chart to say well here's what's going to happen if this is the time we get to and we haven't finished because you know darkness and they just randomly then announced at some point in the race well we're only instead of going 100 laps we're going to only be able to go 75 which is well within their purview because again you only need a 50 percent you only have to hit that 50% mark for it to be an official race. But when you're dealing with road course racing, which this was just on the streets of Chicago, it is when you pit, it is the different strategies that you will use to get in front of other cars. And when they change the overall distance, then you are totally throwing that out the window and it becomes a lot of luck, but in this case, I think NASCAR was kind of saved by the fact that there was a Kiwi, a guy from New Zealand named Shane Van Gisbergen in the race who just made everybody look bad. He was the first guy in 60 years to win his very first NASCAR Cup level race because it's a, well, it's a hard series to win in. It's a hard series to even get into. And he just showed everybody he came from the supercars, which I guess raced mainly out there in Australia, New Zealand. And he just showed everybody why he was a better road racer than everyone else. And when it comes down to it, Chicago couldn't have done much with the amount of weather coming in. Nobody could have really predicted this. 
you could predict, well, it might rain, but I don't think anybody could have predicted the inches of rain that fell so quickly. They were doing things like they had to reverse the flow of the Chicago River going into Lake Michigan because of flooding. And for a while, it looked like the whole course was going to be underwater because if you've ever seen a street course and other types of racing, well, there's big concrete barriers around the whole track so the cars don't, well, exit the track. So parts and pieces, if there's an accident, don't fly out. There's these big concrete barriers and where most of these barriers go, they want to give the drivers as much room as they possibly can. So a lot of these barriers go and sit in the exactly where you're going to have your sewer lines. So I guess what they had to do was drive around the track with their little, uh, whatever those devices they're using are called that would pick up really big, heavy things like concrete barriers. They were taking these things around. They would lift up the concrete barrier and it was like pulling the plug in your bathtub and all of a sudden all the water would be draining out. And it was amazing how much water they moved off the track and that they raced it all. And NASCAR, I believe, got what they wanted because all they really wanted, as I told you here before, when we heard about this race in the first place, was all they wanted was the backdrop and they got the backdrop. They got the racing. They had many, many drones flying around. A lot of them going over Lake Michigan, then hitting Buckingham Fountain. They got the beautiful money shots that they wanted. And I believe the bad weather, the torrential downpours, actually kept the violence and other stuff that could have gone on around the race. I think it kept it out of uh, commission, which is a good thing. Maybe the rain actually helped NASCAR get through this weekend without having you know a carjacking while on pit road. We'll see if they come back. Not really sure if they will or not. There was a lot made of Mayor Lori Lightfoot, of course, now not mayor of Chicago, not making the best of all deals with the uh, the NASCAR folks to bring the races in. And it's hard to say if Chicago was a winner in this or not. It really depends on how much money was spent in the city of Chicago when it came to hotels, restaurants, and all of that. The bars, don't forget the bars. But I don't think the NASCAR crowd came even close to the money that the Taylor Swift crowd pulled in. And there was a lot more hassles with the NASCAR crowd. Closing down parts of Lakeshore Drive and Michigan Avenue and Columbus. That is a bit of a pain for traffic and for people doing business around there. So it will be interesting to see if this is something that continues on in Chicago, but it doesn't have to. That's the beauty of this. You want to know how NASCAR just makes a track out of nowhere, and they used a company out of Nashville that was already doing the Nashville street course race for open wheel. So it's now a pretty much pick a city bring the barriers, set it up, you build some temporary grandstands, and you have a racetrack. So uh, there's no reason why this has to be in the same city every year. NASCAR racing legend, and will be a Hall of Famer soon, he's in his last season of racing right now, Kevin Harvick, said, why don't you just move this around? Like, come back to Chicago every five years, then go to Detroit, then go to wherever. And 
spread it around. There's no reason they can't do that. And it is something that it's hard to believe that NASCAR in their history, 75 years, have never run on a street course. So overall, I would say this was probably a win for them. It wasn't a hundred percent win like the true believers are saying, but it was good entertainment. We had a feel good winner, a guy that had never won before in his first race from New Zealand, which made this an international thing. There was a lot of press. There were a lot of people that were watching from Australia, New Zealand. So overall, it kind of worked out even with the torrential downpours. And like I said, at least there wasn't any violence, which maybe that's because more and more people are now armed. The 47th straight month, June was, according to the stats that the FBI keeps, the 47th straight month where more than 1 million guns were sold in the United States. And I know some people will be like, you see, this is where the United States has a problem. No. Really, it doesn't, because if you realize the amount of gun crimes that are going on, as opposed to the amount of guns, you can do the math for yourself, I think, and understand that a vast majority of gun owners do not commit crimes with the guns, which would also logically tell you that the answer to the problem would be not to get the guns off the streets, but to get the criminals off the streets. I know, such a crazy thought. Such an extremist thought, hold the criminals responsible, get the criminals off the streets because the guns aren't the thing that's bad. But think about that. Just in the last 47 months, even if you pretend that none of the other guns existed before that. So 47 months, will make it easy. It's going to probably go to 48 months, but we'll know that in one more month. But 48 months will be four years. In the last four years, there have been over 47 million guns sold in this country just in the last four years. So anybody that sits there and tells you, including Uncle Joey Biden, well, if we could just get these guns off the streets, well, tell me how you're going to do it. Tell me how you're going to do that, especially with the Second Amendment. Tell me how you're going to do that. Never have an answer. And I'll say, well, okay, you know what? Even without getting rid of the Second Amendment, I'll give you my guns if you can prove to me there is not one gun left in Chicago where gun laws are some of the most severe, allegedly. Well, they're, they're severe. They just have DAs that don't want to prosecute them. But if you can get all of the guns outside in Chicago, if you can get all of the guns, let me rephrase, if you can get all the guns that are currently inside of Chicago, if you can get them out of Chicago, I'll give you my guns. You can have them because you're never going to do it. Absolutely never going to do it. The only answer is to prosecute the criminals who use guns to commit crimes and understand that legal gun owners do good things. Billy Baldwin of the Wacko Baldwins was like, oh, no, Florida now has a new law where you can do a concealed carry without getting a special permit here in Illinois. We have to jump through hoops. You have to take classes. You have to pay things. You have to pay the fees in order to get the concealed carry license. A lot of states, including Florida, just went, now. you don't have to pay at all. If you're a law-abiding gun owner, you can carry your gun wherever you want to. You don't need any special 
passes to do that. And the people that think this is going to cause more problems and more crimes don't understand how crime works. Because it's when the criminals are left unchecked, that is when crime runs rampant. If a criminal busts into somebody's house, say my house, and I've got a gun, well, and I blow them away, they're not committing any more crimes. It's just how it works. It's logic. I know it's tough, but I believe people that are listening to me here on Random Thoughts understand that. There's a lot of people out there that don't, who just don't understand logic whatsoever. And you can try to change that, but I don't know if that's reasonable to believe that there's a lot of people out there who just need to hear the right information and they will then all of a sudden have the epiphany and understand and be like, whoa, how could I have been so dumb? No, I think we're getting further and further down a rabbit hole where we have what we have. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people I don't think are ever going to be brought back from the lunatic fringe because they are too much just believing anything that they hear, whether it's from the mainstream media, whether it's from social media, neither one's any good at this point. Saw an article on Just the News, which is a fairly straightforward, even though it is more down the conservative pathways, they only seem to run with stories that they can prove, which is good. This is not a lot of speculation. This is not a lot of guessing. This is not a lot of anonymous sources when it comes to their reporting. They like to be a little bit more factual than most. And today, the story FDA blasted for misleading mRNA COVID vaccine labels as sudden death research mounts. Yeah. I talked about it here, which is why when it was all coming around, like, well, everybody needs a vaccine. Everybody needs a vaccine. Everybody needs a vaccine. I'm like, well, my doctors wanted me to have one, but I'm like, I'm not taking the mRNA. No, I'll take that uh, one that Johnson and Johnson put out. And I'm glad I did. I don't think it really did much. I ended up getting COVID anyway was not a big deal. Came and went in a few days. The wife never got anything. Also had the Johnson and Johnson shot. But the data that is coming out of the United States and other various countries is showing that the mRNA vaccines are very problematic. If I can use one of the left's favorite words, the article here on just the news says, quote, Researchers around the world continue documenting potentially severe side effects from COVID-19 mRNA vaccines in certain demographics, but the Food and Drug Administration refuses to label them or even tell recipients these shots can't stop transmission of an increasingly immune-evasive virus. Autopsies and reviews of medical records revealed a much higher incidence of Pfizer and Moderna vaccine-associated heart deaths than officially categorized in South Korea, Japanese, and Qatari government registries, particularly in younger people at risk from at lower risk from COVID. This echoes a German autopsy study of healthy people who died within 20 days of 
jabs, end quote. And this is something that No Agenda, one of the best damn podcasts in the universe, they were on right away. The amount of side effects that the mRNA shots were having, the number of heart-related things that were coming out, especially in younger men in that 12 to 17 especially, and then still in the younger up into the 20s. And it really was swept under the rug. Nobody's still talking about it. Nobody's still warning about this, even though the data is building up and building up and building up. Nobody in the FDA saying, well, you know, if you're a younger guy, maybe you shouldn't take an mRNA vaccine. And the fact that the Johnson and Johnson, I mean, if, even if we were just pretending for a minute that the vaccines were needed, which at this point, looking less and less so, but let's just pretend for a minute that they were actually doing something and they were needed and the amount of side effects on the Johnson and Johnson one was, well, hey, if you're a guy, that's fine. You can take this because there were the issue with the Johnson and Johnson one was mainly women of childbearing age could get blood clots and then potentially die from the blood clots. But it seemed like if you were a younger man, older man, the Johnson and Johnson was great. There were very little side effects. The mRNA one on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. If you were a younger guy, there was a really good chance that you were going to run into some kind of heart inflammation. And I know when I say really good chance, I don't mean like one in two or anything like that, but it was like one in 50,000. If you're in that age range and a guy, then you had a chance to have some inflammation and that didn't always lead to death, but seems like plenty of them did. And the fact that this data is continuing to come out showing this and it didn't matter which of the mRNA vaccines it was. So it wasn't like, well, this is just something in the Pfizer or this was just something in the Moderna. No, this was something to do with the mRNA technology, which you have to be very careful with any new kind of technology, what you're running into. And it seems like these deaths that were caused from this are still not being accurately reported and vaccines are seemingly still being pushed. I mean, I haven't been paying that close of attention because it's like, I'm not getting any more. I had my Johnson and Johnson and then they had the second Johnson and Johnson when they're like, whoa, you need a booster. Then I got COVID anyway. And it was like the flu. I had had worse flus. Somebody will make the case. Well, it was because you had the vaccine and some people will be like, what well, meant nothing. Did it mean anything? I don't know. If I didn't have the Johnson and Johnson shot when I got COVID, could it have killed me? Sure. Well, do I think the odds are high on that? I don't. I do not. And at this point, as with almost every virus in the history of viruses, the more that it mutates, the further away that it gets from the original OG virus, the less severe the symptoms are. Like the flu, it's still around. The, a lot of the flu that we have, I believe, originated with the Spanish flu from, you know, 100, 200 years ago. Still around. But people just get it, and then they're over it in a few days. These vaccines, though, this is uh, quite a bit more nefarious. So be very careful. If you have kids and somebody's still pushing the mRNA vaccine, think twice about uh, putting that into their bodies. 
do your homework and understand that a lot of times these governmental agencies are in full cover their ass mode, which it's like, wow, maybe we should have looked a little bit closer at this before we unleashed this on a population. But no, no, not good at all. One of the other things I've talked about a lot because I was an Amazon reviewer back in the day is the concept of fake reviews. And of course, this is an AI story now. CBS News, the FTC wants to ban fake product reviews, warns AI could exacerbate the problem. Well, congratulations on a great headline, CBS. And AI can maybe give you more fake reviews, but they're not really going to exacerbate the problem much. The problem's already here. It doesn't matter if it's AI writing it or companies that are paying people in a farm in India or something to go through and just uh, pump these things out. It, you know, that's what they got. They got these troll farms. They go out and they pay them and they do whatever they want and they send out whatever information they want. They post whatever reviews that they want. And the concept that you think you can control what is being posted to the internet is cute. But according to this article on CBS News, businesses could soon be fined a hefty sum for hosting or promoting fake product reviews online if the Federal Trade Commission has its way. It says, faux five-star and rave reviews of less-than-stellar consumer goods can boost businesses' profits while deceiving consumers, according to the FTC, which has proposed a rule to crack down on them. Well, here's the thing. You don't know unless you get somebody red-handed who's behind the reviews. And the minute you go, well, gee, okay, little uh, this guy here, he's got himself a restaurant. This guy's got a burger restaurant. And all of a sudden, there's a bunch of good reviews. Wow, that's awesome. Well, that must all be fake. So let's go after him. It's like you don't know who's behind those reviews. This would then, instead of your competitors paying somebody to leave your business a bunch of bad reviews, the new thing would just be leave him a bunch of good reviews because then they'll shut him down. They'll fine him and then he won't be able to do business because we think that he posted a bunch of good reviews. And I see this all the time. We went to a pizza place a few weeks ago and the pizza was garbage. And I looked up the reviews and there's tons of good reviews. It's like these cannot be real. They cannot be real. It was that bad. And it was a company that used to be in our little town here that moved away. They were just a takeaway place, as they say in the UK. But now it's a sit-down place, and it's the same crappy food. Nothing has changed whatsoever. They boast that they have wooden, uh, it's a place is called Wooden Paddle, and they boast that they have a wood stone oven, and it tastes like garbage. They have no idea how to use a wood stone oven. But a bunch of the reviews seem to be probably paid for, or the company doing it themselves. This concept that you're going to be able to catch somebody doing something like this Nearly impossible. Again, the internet is worldwide. So if somebody goes out and hires a bunch of people in another country to leave the reviews, what are you going to do? You can't really stop it. You could try to geofence it, which means it looks at the internet address that the reviews are coming from, but there are ways to get around that as well. So when it comes to reviews, whether it's on Amazon or Google or anywhere else online, my advice for you is don't believe anything you read. Just simply do not believe it. Sure, you could peruse them, 
and maybe get some helpful information. But we're already at the point where reading reviews from random people that are uploading them, which is what happens on Google and Amazon, those random reviews cannot be believed. You're going to run into some real ones in the mix of however many reviews there are. If there's a thousand reviews, six, seven hundred might be real people and four hundred, three hundred might be bots or other ones that were bought and paid for. How do you know which are which? You don't. You're still kind of left with having to do your own research or which is why I thought Amazon made the exact wrong move when they decided to say, well, no, we're not going to allow professional reviewers to review our products that we sell for free products. Because I can tell you, when I was doing that, I was doing honest reviews because I didn't want garbage sent to me. So if something was good, I let you know, which meant if you went to a few of my reviews and you're like, hey, I double checked. What he said about this product was right. What he said about that product was right. So I'm going to believe what he says about the rest of these products. Amazon totally got rid of that, which played right into the scammers hands because now all the reviews can be bought and sold and nobody really cares because there's not a lot of people that are focusing on strictly doing the reviews. But again, you should know that everything online is questionably sourced. There was an article on a website called slaynews.com, and this was all over the Twitterverse. A popular Twitter anti-Trump Democrat account exposed as fake. Oh, really? There are fake people on Twitter? Who knew that was a thing? If you've been listening to this show, you probably knew. But I guess some people still didn't understand that. And it's interesting to look at these on an individual basis and just see what kind of a following these accounts start to have. This one was going under the name Erica Marsh, who, according to the bio that was on Twitter, was a former field organizer for Joe Biden's 2020 presidential campaign, an Obama Foundation volunteer, and on and on. But it turns out Erica Marsh, not a real person. So. Everything that was being posted was being posted and it was tracked back to a Belgian company that is uh, obviously trying to uh, infiltrate the United States elections. This is, again, shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that things being posted to social media may not be from the people that you think they are. Or if it's not somebody that you've met in real life, they may not be a real person at all. They're probably an account run by somebody else with an agenda. And at this point, it could be run by an AI with an agenda that's programmed to just spew out the talking points. And it doesn't really matter if it's the talking points of the left or the talking points on the right. In this case, it was the talking points on the left, but it is all done to create division. It's not just the Democrats doing it. The Republicans do it as well. There is a lot of hay to be made, if you will, by sowing the seeds of discontent. And this is exactly what social media is good for. The social media companies themselves, even though they might tell you they want really good, accurate information, all of the social media companies know what's good for their retention of your eyeballs. What's good for them to keep your attention is 
divisiveness. People are way more engaged when they're angry. And social media uses that. And yet, in this case, this was tracked down to a Belgian PR firm. Who they're working for, don't really know. Don't really care. Are they related in any way? Are they being paid in any way by the Democrats who are the talking points this account was spewing out there? Maybe, but maybe not. It could just be like, well, you know what? Let's rile all these people up for our own personal enjoyment or they have their own agenda when they think that this is going to help out with that. The bottom line, once again, is do not believe anything you see on the internet. Do not believe anything you hear on the internet, except perhaps on this particular show and on that Larry show and on uh, Planet Rage and Grumpy Old Benz and Unrelenting and No Agenda. And there's a few other ones that can go on that list as well. But there's a lot of very questionable information on the internet. So always question it. Always do your own homework. And just like with the reviews, try to find a source that you go, hey, you know what? I've done my homework. If you start listening to a new podcast, well, do your homework. The first few things they talk about, do your homework. And if it seems like they're telling you the truth, well, then they've kind of been vetted. And you can kind of back off a little bit and go, they seem like they're okay. But you still want to spot check here and there to make sure everything's still going down the right path. But when it comes to reviews, when it comes to political speech, when it comes to all of this stuff, understand that there is big money and political gain in getting you mad. So don't fall into it. Don't fall into it. Get off the internet every now and then. Take a little detox. You will feel better for it. Again, it's okay if you listen to this show which is a value for value show, by the way. I know a lot of people don't know what value for value is. That means I put the shows out there. If you've gotten any value out of them whatsoever by listening to the shows, you can put a number on that and get some value back to us. Monetarily is a great way to do that. And you can go to randomthoughts.com slash donate. Click that donate button for a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses to do the crypto thing. You can go over to patreon.com slash random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts. And if you're in the podcasting 2.0 environment, you can stream us some Satoshis. You can send us a boostagram. If you want to learn more about that, go to newpodcastapps.com. Today, I've got one guy to thank. This is all because of you, Stucoats, out there in the UK with your totally maybe satanic donation of $6.66. You are the executive producer on this show, and it is very much appreciated. So if anything goes wrong, I'm just going to point them to you. Be like, I don't know. He's the producer. I'm just the talent here saying the crazy inflammatory things that gets everybody mad. But as we've learned, if they're mad, they're engaged. But I thank you, Stu Coates, for the donation. And I encourage everybody else to help support this show. If you can't, I understand Joey Biden, the economy. Although eggs have crashed here again. So you can buy a couple dozen eggs for like $2.39 here. So the grocery prices are coming down a little bit as they do. Throw a few eggs at your favorite podcasters. I mean, in monetary form, don't actually throw eggs at your favorite podcasters. That would be rude. But support this show and the shows that you listen to all the way around to keep them around. So you have something to keep you entertained and to keep you even keel as we move 
I was going to say slowly in, but it's going to be here so fast. As we move into another presidential election cycle, you're going to need all of the sanity you can get. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill. Thank you for listening. I will be back with another episode. Until then, these are my last few words. Later.